0: let go tonight. Take your Bibles, and uh, let's start in John's Gospel, Chapter 3, tonight. Father, I thank you once again for your word on the kingdom. Father, I thank you as we plant the seed. You said we just sow the seed. Praise God. We go to sleep. We wake up. We sow. We go to sleep. Wake up. We thank you the kingdom of God will start to grow on the inside of us. The revelation will continue to get bigger and bigger. It'll get bigger than anything else in our lives, Father, and we thank you. We want to know your ways. We want to know the way that you do things, how you want us to do them, and we thank you for the revelation of it, and we give you praise uh, in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we thank you. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, let's just start in John chapter 3 first tonight, and then we'll go back to Genesis chapter 1. John chapter 3, look at verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot what? See the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? How many know this was a good question? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot what? Enter the kingdom of God. Now notice, it, yeah, I was in the church a long time and I heard about born again. Born again was preached a lot, which there's nothing wrong with that. But if you check out Jesus, he only preached it one time in his whole entire life. I maybe know you know that. And notice he never preached born again and going to heaven. He never even mentioned heaven in this scripture here. He said, When you're born again, you shall then be able to see or comprehend the kingdom of God. He goes on to say that if you cannot be born again, you cannot enter what? The kingdom of God. So his main point here was not being born again. His main point was to enter the kingdom of God. So his main preaching was on the kingdom of God. All right, go to Genesis chapter 1. If you want to find out God's original purpose and plan, you have to go back to the beginning when he started his original purpose and plan. You can't hardly do it in the Old Testament, and sometimes it's hard to do in the New Testament. But if you go back to the beginning, how many of you know that he hasn't changed his mind since the beginning? So we go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, let's read verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God sent unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now this was God's original plan, his original purpose here. It shows the creation of mankind. How many of you are mankind? So it shows the creation of mankind and it mentions some things here. Number one, it mentions the word dominion. Say dominion. dominion. Here he says he gave mankind dominion. The word dominion is basically he gave you a kingdom, he gave you power, he gave you authority, and that power is to rule. That's why in the heart of every person that you'll ever run unto, whether they're saved or not, there is a dominion spirit on the inside of every human being. That dominion spirit was born into you. It's a gift from God. It's in you. How many know it can be used rightly? It can be misused. So there's a desire in every human being to be able to control their circumstances and their situations, and that's because God is the one that put it in there. So this tells us quite a bit of things the Scripture here. First of all, man's purpose. Why was man created? Man was created to rule and to reign and to have dominion over a kingdom." Here it also tells you his assignment. He was supposed to rule where? On the earth. He was supposed to rule on the earth. He was supposed to rule things, but notice he was not made to rule other people, things, and the earth. And number three, it shows that we have a position. He was made a king with God's ability. He was made in God's image and also God's likeness. So this is God's original plan, his original intent for mankind. We know that Adam and Eve messed up and the whole thing got messed up. But Jesus came to restore us back to our original position. Say, restore. What does restore mean? It means to take you back to your original position that you were in at one time. If I drop this book on the floor tonight and I pick it up and I put it on that table, how many know I did not restore this book? I just moved it to the table. But if I put it back in the same place to where it was before it fell down, then I restored the book back to its original place. So when you got born again, Jesus already prepared for you that you would be restored back to your original place. Well, where am I? I am a creature who now has dominion, I have dominion over the earth. I also have authority to rule a kingdom. I basically have a dominion spirit on the inside of me where I can rule things in the earth but not other people. Now notice, if if you don't know where your dominion is and and how to use it, you'll use it in the wrong way. That's why people are basically manipulated. People are trying to control other people. If you can't control your own situations, you'll always be looking to control someone else because you want to control something. That's why until you find out what you're allowed to have dominion over, you'll always be a person who tries to control everything in their life. And I'll tell you, control brings no peace and no joy because most of the things you're controlling won't be controlled anyway, and you just end up in an argument over the person you're in control. So the whole kingdom of God, basically right now, most people who are Christian in the kingdom of God are still trying to control something other than what they were made to control to begin with and to have dominion over with. You don't have dominion over any other person you have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and everything that God created. Notice it also says in his image and likeness. Say image. Image. Say likeness. Likeness. Now image is basically, we know image in the natural realm from, I got a Toyota car and on my car they got this little round thing on the front that looks like two half circles or a heart. And basically that's the image that represents Toyota. Everybody has an apple, has an image. What is it? It's an apple that somebody apparently took a bite out of. (laughs) Praise God. And that is the image basically there. So the image basically that that you have is basically put on everything, everything that's created and everything that is completed. Say completed. completed. So notice now, Toyota does not put their image on an automobile until they made the automobile. They tested the automobile. They made sure the automobile could do what the automobile was supposed to be. Then they put the image on it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God placed his image when he created man. That means before you were even brought into this earth, God had already tested you. I'm just going to throw this out here today because we can't get into this. We'll be here all night. Yeah, basically you were already tested. The Bible says before you were knit in the womb, God already well, then you must have existed if he knew you before you were put in the womb. Is that right? All right so when he put you in the womb, not only are you in the womb when you were born in this world, but he put his image. image on you, which means you've already been tested and approved by God. Amen. So everything that you'll ever need is already in you the day that you are born into this earth. Even as a baby, you have every gift you need. You have everything that you need on the inside of you. He's already put his image on the inside of you. I mean, if Toyota's car doesn't run and you complain, how many know they'll come get that car from you and they'll take it back in and they'll do everything they can and they'll do it at no expense and they don't even know who I am and they're doing it for me. Why is that? To protect there. So God made sure whatever you're called to do, you've already got the ability. Come on, on the inside of you. Every gift that you need is already on the inside of you. He placed his image on you there and everything you got you already need. So it's really useless for you to start praying for a bunch of things that you think you need. For your purpose not knowing that you already have those things that you need for your purpose you just need to start claiming the things that you need for your purpose because god's not going to leave you without the things you need to fulfill your purpose because he put his image hallelujah on you praise god all right well that was extra may take up an offering but we're not going to praise god we got to keep right on going Yeah, so man is an expression of God's moral and spiritual condition. He was born with God's nature on the inside of him. He was sent to rule earth and make earth just like heaven they were supposed to be. Earth was supposed to be a colony, basically, of heaven is what it was supposed to be. So earth was going to be a colony of heaven and basically just like heaven. Now, notice there's two words here. It says created. Say created. Created. But it also said man was made. Say made. made. Now, there's two different words for those things. Made basically means to make out of something that already exists. Man was made out of something that already exists. Created means that man was made out of something that did not exist beforehand. What is the thing that God created man out of that did exist? The ground of the earth, didn't he? That's where he made our body. But what he did for the other thing was created was he breathed his spirit into us. So we were created and we were also made. You are a spirit being and you have a physical body. You're not a soul. You have a soul. Most of the church thinks you have a soul. You're this white ball that floats around. You do good, you get a good mark. You do bad, you get a black mark. Hopefully your star is out. Remember back in first grade, hopefully your star is out, did your black marks, and you were doing real good. But you're not that. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions, and your imaginations. You are a spirit being inside a physical body. He created and made the species of man. Say the species of man. Everybody God created is of the species of man. There's female men, and there's male men, but they are both men. Mm -hmm. Are you following me? So my wife is a man, but she's a female man. She's a woman. Why is she a woman? Because she has a? I'm a male man. I don't have a womb, so I'm a male man. But the species of man, that's why in the Bible it says, and God told man too. It means he's talking to all of us. You never see him saying, God, talk to the women. He didn't do that because he's talking about the species of man. How many know there's a species called dog? How many know there's a lot of different kind of dogs out there, but they're all dogs? A lot of birds out there, but they're all birds. Well, we're all men. We're all man, basically, but he made two kinds. He made woman, and he also made male men. Now, one of the most important things in the entire Bible is right here in verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image, and after our likeness, and let them. Say let them. them. Say it again, let them. them. Now this is a critical statement for the fact that at this time God shut himself out of the earth realm. He didn't say let us. If he would have, he would have included himself in dominion over the earth and all this. But he said let who? Who are the them? The mankind. So at that time he designated and established on earth the only legal authority, legal on earth, would be mankind. That's why I'm going to throw this out here. That's why God cannot do anything in the earth realm without a man. This makes this pretty important, don't it? God just can't do whatever he wants to do. Everybody thinks, do this, God, do that. No, God does it with you. You are co-laboring with him. You are workers together with him. You are his son, and basically it's God and son's business and to work together. So God has authority. He's in heaven over heaven. We're now put on the earth. We have authority here on the earth realm, and the only way God can get in here is if we give him permission or access into the earth realm, then he can do something down here. Are you following me? See, a lot of people ask God just to do this, just to do that. No, he wants to work together with us. If he wanted to do that, he should have never said, let them. Right. How many of you think he might have been sad after he said, let them? <laughs> but no, he sent Jesus to bail everybody out, get everybody where they're at. So notice, he said, let them. He gave it to mankind. So at the creation of man, number one, God gave dominion over the earth to who? Mankind. mankind. God gave dominion over creation, but not other men right. to man. God never gave dominion for man over heaven, ever. God never gave man religion. He never gave man rituals. He gave them a relationship. Glory to God. God never promised man heaven. He promised him the earth. The meek shall inherit the earth. Not heaven, the earth. Yet everybody thinks that heaven is our inheritance. No, our inheritance is the kingdom of God. And basically, the kingdom of God gives us authority on the earth realm. All right, look at verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female, he created thee them. So man's most important relationship that we have in our life is with somebody called the Spirit of God. God's Spirit on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit basically gives us communication with God. It's the communication that we have to God. He is, if you would, the cell phone between mankind and between God. Basically he's our connection. He's our fax machine, praise God. He's our, he's our email. He's everything that we got. He's connected to us. He's living in our spirit. So the relationship of the Holy Spirit is needed to fulfill your purpose on the earth. Everything that God made has something it needs to survive. You know, a seed's good, but how many know it's no good without ground? A fish is a good creation, how many know it's not good without any water? How many know a bird's good, but it's not good if he can't fly and he he doesn't have air to fly around with? Well, man, in order to fulfill his purpose, God gave the Holy Spirit, and your relation to the Holy Spirit is what's going to determine how far you get in your purpose with God because you can't do anything outside the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. All right, go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2, look at verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely do what? now here we see Adam and Eve the first men they had they had something to do they had authority on the earth realm all they had to do was stay under their under ruler and obey him and they would continue to walk in the dominion they had if you want to look at an example of this you need a story about the centurion remember the centurion Centurion I have authority why do you have authority because I'm staying underneath the authority that's here and then I got people under me here under authority You've got to stay underneath God's authority in order to have dominion here on the earth well Adam didn't do that he did he rebelled against basically the government of God and the king himself and he committed high treason and what's the penalty for high treason death death Death. so God says if you commit high treason you're going to die so the act of rebellion basically number one Adam declared independence against God's government he'd rather do it himself secondly he severed his relationship with the king of heaven he no longer he hid from God if you remember when God came around he also abandoned the purpose that he was created for he no longer could rule earth that he was called to rule earth because he lost the nature of God and he lost everything else he needed as far as dominion to rule so he abandoned the purpose he was created for he lost the kingdom and his dominion over earth and he lost someone by the name of the Holy Spirit now when he lost the Holy Spirit how many know he basically lost everything so the loss of the Holy Spirit basically rendered him disqualified to do the job that God gave him because he couldn't rule the earth he didn't have dominion anymore he didn't have the spirit of God anymore he was here on the earth he didn't have the nature of God anymore how is he going to bring into the earth realm the culture of God when he doesn't have the culture of God anymore he now had the culture of the devil The Bible says the natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit. So here was mankind. He had sinned. He had the nature of the devil. He couldn't understand anything about God. And that is why Jesus came, basically, to give us an opportunity so that we would be born again. Once we're born again, we were also declared righteous. When we were declared righteous, it opened the door for us to receive, once again, the Holy Spirit. That's why it said in John that if, you, if you're not born again, you cannot understand the kingdom of God. Because how many of you know the kingdom of God is a spiritual thing? But once you get born again, how many of you, st- things started opening up? In other words, this book you were reading just for fun, all at once started making sense to you. All at once you didn't think you were hearing from God, and now he was speaking to you in the word the. Yeah. Everything you read, God's talking, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. God said the. Praise God. And I said yet, praise God. God started speaking to you out of the book. Why is that? Because you got born again and the Spirit of God came back on the inside of you. So he said his penalty is he will surely die. Now we know he didn't die physically that day, right? Because he lived a long time after that. But he lost God's image and likeness. He was now unable to extend God's ways, his thoughts, his culture in the earth realm. And he was unable to fulfill his purpose which he was created for. Physical death is your spirit simply leaving your body. That's it. Spiritual death is separation from God. Once you're separated from God. So spiritual death separated from God. Physical death separation from your body. All right, go to Genesis chapter 3. All right, let's look at verse 15. God says, that I will put enmity between thee and the woman, talking to Satan, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise my head, and thou shall bruise his heel. So here's God, God's got to do something, so he immediately declares what he's going to do. He says that basically he's going to restore the kingdom of God to mankind, because God's purpose never changes. He's going to declare an offspring. Who's an offspring? An offspring of God that was going to come to the earth, and he was going to get back everything that man lost. What did Jesus provide? It's easy. What did man lose? Whatever man lost, Jesus provided. He would never provided you really heaven. He never provided you rituals. He never provided you religion. He never provided you that stuff because you never had it to lose. People say, well, he got heaven back for us. You were never in heaven. You didn't fall from heaven. You fell from your dominion. The person that fell from heaven was Satan. And he didn't fall. He got kicked out. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. So the offspring was going to come. And first of all, he was going to break the power of the adversary. He was going to come and destroy the works of the devil. He was going to regain authority and dominion for mankind once again. We were going to have our authority and our dominion back. He was going to restore God's nature and God's kingdom back to mankind. He was going to restore the Holy Ghost back to mankind and basically he gave us our purpose back I mean you know if, if Jesus would have never came we would have never had a purpose here on the earth we would have just went around, lived in sin, tried to be a good boy and good little girl and hope that we made it to heaven but he came back and restored our purpose to us so the greatest need of man is basically identified in what man lost whatever man lost Jesus came to get back for mankind he did not lose heaven he lost a kingdom Christianity always focuses on heaven God always focuses on the earth he did not lose religion he lost a relationship a lot of people say well I have a relationship with God my question is always is your relationship through religion so you can have an intimate relationship with God based on what he's done for you or you can have a religious relationship with God depending on what you've done for him if you think you're gaining God's graces by doing a whole bunch of good stuff and impressing him you're wrong You should be impressed with what he did for you, then live out of what he did for you, and you won't have to worry about you do, praise God, because of what he did makes the difference. So religion can never restore the position or the relationship with the kingdom of God. That's why people in the body of Christ who are taught religion, who live in religion, sooner or later will backslide. You can only put up with religion so long. Then you're either going to run away from it, you're going to get tired of it, you can't take it anymore. I mean, we went to Israel years ago, and there's people kneeling on a concrete floor in front of a wall, going back and forth and back and forth. And it just crossed my mind. I said, is this what God, is this what a loving God would really want? Is for me to do this kind of stuff? No, that's not what he wants. That's religion, basically. If they came out of that, they'd be jumping up and down praising God in front of the wall. Hallelujah, because of everything that he did for them. So religion keeps us back. It focuses on heaven. It focuses on our, what we do, our works. The kingdom always focuses on what he's done for me and freely given me. The Bible says that the veil was ripped from top to bottom. So the only one that could really do anything for us was Jesus. Why is that? Because there was no other spirit who was righteous left. All mankind was created after the first man, and all were created unrighteous. So God had to send Jesus, his son, man and spirit, Jesus Christ, into the world, what for to set us free? He was the only one. God is the chaser in your life. You are the one being pursued. Instead of allowing us to expend our lives frustrated, trying to do good works, trying to do our best, trying to appease God, struggle and fight to touch God, he came down and he took care of it himself. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Romans chapter 10. I don't think we'll ever understand the thing that we say about God is good. Because every time you discover something else he did for you, he gets gooder. And he just keeps getting gooder. And then you think you got it all figured out and you find out something else. My God, he did gooder yet. Praise God. He just keeps getting gooder. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. Paul was addressing religion here. Romans chapter 10. Look at verse 1. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that you might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, they go about to establish their own righteousness, and have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness which is of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that does what? believe so he's, he's rebuking these people saying man you're into religious things you're wasting your time you're wasting your effort you're not making any spiritual progress no matter how zealous you look no matter how committed you are to religion no matter how loyal and faithful and dedicated you will still be dissatisfied and searching for more until you find the kingdom of God nothing will ever satisfy you so we want to bring people who are in religion out of religion We want to bring them up to the goodness of God. God did everything that we need. He provided everything for us. It's not what we did to get saved. It's by grace, through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. How is righteousness? It's by grace, through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. How about healing? It's by grace, through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. And we receive salvation. Now we receive the other things the same way. We always try to get the other things or qualify for the other things, but they were all freely given to us, so we just need to receive them. Amen. Praise God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 5. All right, Jesus explains thing here in the Beatitudes, chapter 5. Matthew, it says, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? Kingdom of heaven. So who was poor in spirit? Who's it talking about? Every man that's born into this earth is poor in spirit because he's born basically in the image and likeness of Adam. Passed down from one generation to another. He said the answer to that is not religion. The answer to that is not special things that you do. The answer to that is not heaven. The answer is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be what? comforted. Now the word mourn here means someone who lost something. It's like you had your house, somebody broke in, stole everything, and you got home and you mourned because of what you lost. Well, mankind had lost something. They lost their purpose. They lost the kingdom. They lost the Holy Spirit. They lost all these things. So blessed are they that mourn, because they shall be what? Comforted. When? When they get in the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit heaven. No, the earth. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Look at verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness; they shall be what? So, if we're hungering and thirsting, how many know what he's trying to say? Is you need to make this your priority. We need to make right standing with God and righteousness our priority in the kingdom of God. Man has a hunger for righteousness right position, right relationship, and the kingdom provides it for us. If you don't know the kingdom provides it for you, you'll try to obtain it through religious works in order to become righteous with God. Religion distracts us from pursuing the kingdom of God. And here's a key God gave me a long time ago. He said you will never pursue the kingdom until you believe that you need the kingdom. You will never study, go after, read about the kingdom and study the kingdom until you absolutely know that you need the kingdom of God. Jesus said, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. How many of you know when you're in religion there was nothing easy, nothing light, nothing anything, praise God. All right, go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we can now cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ if so be that we suffer with him we may be also glorified together with him so here it's talking about a change in our life we are now sons of God say sons of God God's plan at the beginning was to create sons of God on an equal plane so he could have fellowship with them. When man fell and basically now was brought back into that same spot, Paul is trying to explain to these people that you are now sons of God. You are not subjects of God. You are not slaves to God. You are not servants of God. You belong to the family. You are sons of God. No longer hired hands, but you are truly sons of God. Now why did he have to explain this? Because in the Old Testament, there were no sons of God. There were slaves and servants of God. So all these people who got born again still had that same mentality, didn't they? Of being a slave and of being nothing. They couldn't even say something. Jesus talked about his father and they about stoned him. Because nobody understood what took place in the relationship. So he said, hey, you're not this way anymore. You're now sons. I don't have to control you through fear. I can be with you in your thoughts and in your ways and have a fellowship and a relationship with you. In the Old Testament, God had to deal with them differently. They didn't have the same nature that he had. So what happened? Every time they stepped out of line, some catastrophe happened. How many of you know if you were arguing with God and the earth split open and several thousand people went down on the earth, you'd start following God immediately? That was a good lesson there. Oh yeah, I change every I changed my mind, praise God. I'm going to follow the Lord, you know. So many things happened in the Old Testament. Fire came down and burned up a bunch of people. I mean, you start following God right now, praise God. But the problem was because of their nature, even when they followed him, they always made a mess again and something else would happen. So something bad would happen to do it so he basically controlled them almost by fear. Because he had to keep a remnant that would still follow him so that Jesus could come through the remnant, basically. But it's different with us. We are sons. He says, now we can call him Abba, Father. Praise God. He is your father. And that's why it doesn't matter if you're born again Catholic, born again Lutheran, born again TCVC, born again the church down the street. We're all brothers and sisters. Not because we agree on everything, but because we have the same daddy. We're all brothers and sisters. It don't matter how ignorant you are in the things of the Spirit, if you're born again, you're still my brother and sister. Now, do I want to help you? Yes, I want to bring you out of your ignorance and bring you up to something, but there's no sense fighting, arguing, right. doing all that stuff. Everybody, once again, is at a different growth age. You know, We've got Talon who's going to be three. You can do things with Talon that you can't do with cash at one. So you've got to adjust to people. And everybody you run into, it doesn't matter how long they've been going to church. Go. No, Some people have been going to church for 30 years, and they're still babies. Man, they're still making a mess every time. you got to change your diaper every two weeks, praise God. They're crying and screaming about everything that's going on. Why is that? Because they've not grown up yet. So number of years doesn't matter. Growth comes through the Word of God. That basically says you need to read my Word of God as a baby desires a sincere milk of the Word. So notice, he's Abba Father. Now, I don't have to be afraid of God anymore, thank God. I don't have to be guilty when I'm around God anymore. I don't have to feel like inferiority compared to God. I was taught God's there and I'm down here and I better be careful because lightning may strike at any time and just take you out, praise God, if he's not in a good mood. That's not it. That's religion. God loves you. God cares for you. God's got a plan for you. And God will take care of you, praise God. All right, go to 1 John chapter 3. All right. First John chapter 3, look at verse 1. John says, Behold, look what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon who? Us. That we should be called the sons of God, therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not. Now this tells me here that sons of God should be acting different from the world. The world's going to notice there's something crazy about you. The way you're acting, the way you're thinking, the way you're doing things, this person's a little overboard or whatever, there's going to be a separation there. It says, therefore, the world knows us not because it didn't know him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he what? is so he's telling you hey you're growing up to be sons of God you're different from the world and basically there's going to come a day when Jesus comes back and when you see him there's going to be a revelation quickly you're going to know exactly who you are and what's going on but he never said wait until you die to get the revelation he says grow in that revelation right now keep growing in it keep, keep having that inside rapture so you're already in rapture mode we're waiting for the rapture but you should be in rapture mode heading towards the rapture anyway and when it happens you ain't going to know much difference because you've already raptured to who you are praise God see so he says the world's not going to know you something's going to be different they may not even like you how many know the world may not like you when you start acting like a son of God how many know other Christians may not like you when you start acting like a son of God you know I was reading the other day where Jesus was there and basically a guy had a withered hand and he healed him and everybody got mad at him can you imagine that and then he left after that and, and his friends came and said he's going a little bit crazy we better help him out it says his friends his friends who needs friends like that for God's sakes praise God so Jesus was walking like that so when you're walking like that things are going to happen in your life basically that are different from what the world is already doing basically right now we've been called not sons but everybody's been called a Christian everybody thinks they're a Christian people who aren't even born again think they're a Christian they think it's a label they think it's a tag they think it's a club and you can just join the club you can't join the club you have to be born into this club And Christianity, really, in the Bible, is a description of a culture for his kingdom. It's a lifestyle of God manifesting through somebody. It's not a person. It's not really a group. It is a culture. So if you're acting like a Christian, you're acting like a certain culture, God's culture, here in the earth. It's not a label. It's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's not what we should or not do, but what we should be. We do not do things to be a good Christian. We do things because we are a good Christian. Praise God. We not only go to church but we are the church. We don't just read the Bible. We live the Bible. Why? We're Christian. That's what we do. That's who we are. Praise God. But we're sons and daughters of the living God. That's who we are. It's not all who are born again. How many are truly Christians? As sons and citizens we have legal rights. We must be delivered from our religious mindset and have our thinking adjusted so we can live a kingdom life. God has restored to us our original position of sons and citizens and co-rulers and kings. All right, go to Colossians chapter 1. All right, Colossians chapter 1, look at, verse, uh, do, 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 look at verse 16, talking about Jesus, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, the visible and the invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created by him. Now, how many of you agree with that? He created everything, didn't he? Now, look at the last verse there. All things were created by him, and they were created what? For him. So you were created for him. He was not created for you. We taught him when I was in religion, I thought that he was created for me. If I needed my mortgage, then he was created to take care of my mortgage. If I had enough faith, if I needed money, he did this. If I needed healing, he did that. But no, you are created for him. That means you need to find your purpose. Now, why were you created? You were created basically to extend his kingdom from an invisible place to a visible place. That was God's whole plan. How was he going to do that? He was going to take his invisible Holy Spirit and put it in man's invisible spirit, put him in a visible flesh body to rule a visible earth. So he had contact with the earth realm through mankind. That's where his contact comes. You have the natural ability to touch things in a natural, see things in the natural, then transmit through your spirit and the Holy Spirit back to the spirit of God and God himself. Are you following? That's why we're here. We are the connection between the two. We are, that's why we were here. So he took his unseen spirit, put it in the unseen spirit of man, put man in a seen physical body to rule the earth that's on the scene down here. That's the way he wanted to do it. He didn't never want to come here in the earth realm. He cannot come and rule because he does not have a physical body. He has no rights here. He already said, let them, not me. So he can't come here as a spirit being and do anything. He has to do it through a spirit who has his spirit, who's in a physical body, who has contact with the earth. Are you following me? I, I mean, this should make you feel a little bit important. Well, I mean, it does me. It makes me feel a little bit important. You know, my goodness sakes, God, God needs me. Uh, it was hard for me to say that the first time. I, I didn't know God needed me. I needed God. But nobody ever told me he needed me, but he does. He needs us. It's God and sons, praise God. So God's communication is basically through your spirit and the Holy Spirit living here on the earth. That's why it's so important for us to stay in contact with the spirit of God on the inside of us. Notice, he knows everything about heaven everything about the earth. He can tell you anything on the inside of you. You got any questions, you go to the Holy Ghost, He'll tell you the answer. He's like in both worlds and knows both ones. He's, he's in contact with everything. So we have to learn basically to live inside out rather than outside in. We've been talking about that on Sunday a little bit. You know, Eve saw and she worked in sense knowledge. We don't live by sense knowledge. We live by the spirit of God who's on the inside of us, who will lead us and guide us into all truth and everything else. So man can learn and understand God's will and direction. How can he do that? Through the best teacher you could possibly get on the inside of you. The Holy Ghost lives on the inside of you. Do you think he knows anything about the nature of God? think he knows anything about the power of God? Yeah, he knows everything. We've got the greatest teacher in the Old Testament. They said they wanted to live in this day and age. They wanted to live in the day and age when the Spirit of God would live inside of mankind again. And we're living in it. We take it for granted. They couldn't do that. They didn't have the Spirit of God on the inside of them because they weren't righteous. But we do, praise God. We got the Holy Ghost on the inside of us and we can hear his voice, praise God. So we were created not only by him but we were created for him. We were created not necessarily for him to meet our needs, mm-hmm. although he promised that. We were created to meet his. Yes. See, my prayer started going to what do you want, God, instead of what I want, God. I had my grocery list, let me tell you. It was there. Give me this. Give me, 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 Gimme. and give it to me by Tuesday you know but that's what i was told that's what you do in a prayer list you make all those prayers out and you throw them out there and none of them were getting answered how many you know if they don't get answered after about a year you want to look for something else and do something else but then i found out that all i had to do was find out his needs here on the earth be used by god seek first his kingdom and right standing with him and then he took care of all the needs that my grocery list had for 25 years and do anything see cuz he'll supply as long as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing he'll make sure you got everything where is it going to come from don't matter don't make any difference. None of your business where it comes from. He can handle it. Don't worry about it. He's got plenty of stuff. I mean, you know, he owns everything. I mean, you can be a pauper today and a millionaire tomorrow. Praise God. Just like that. You don't know what God's going to do for you. Praise God. Hallelujah. But it comes by right priority. My priority is what does he need? What can I do for him? How can I be used for him to extend his kingdom? What can I do? You are not a natural man trying to live in the spirit. You are a spirit man trying to live in this natural realm. That's who you are. You are a spirit being. Now, this is the revelation that changed my prayer life, totally. I mean, I had a prayer life like everybody else has a prayer life. I prayed like everybody else prayed. But when I found out, first of all, number one, that basically I was here for His needs, I had to renew my mind to find out what His perfect will is. Because if I know His will, I know what He wants. I mean, you know, somebody's will is what they want. And if I know what he wants, then I can get involved in what he wills and wants, and I'm involved in God's thing. And I started praying more to know his will rather than tell him my will. And number two, it put me over in the kingdom perspective because now I was not praying for things that the kingdom had already given me I was just claiming them and thanking God for them every time I needed them, and they were right there every single time. Are you following me? I I no longer pray and ask for healing. I'm healed, and I thank God for healing. Whether I feel good, bad, ugly, good-looking, whatever, it doesn't make any difference. Are you following me? Why? Because when you entered the kingdom of God, healing is yours. Peace is yours. Joy is yours. Power is yours. Authority. You don't have to pray for authority. You just got to use it. But if you don't believe you got it, you're never going to use it until you get it. And how are you going to know if you're praying for it, whether you get it or not? I mean, is an angel going to show up and say, You now have authority. Lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. No. It's already in the book, see? It's already been given to you. These signs shall follow them that... Do you guys believe? Well, then you lay hands on the sick, they'll recover, you'll speak in other tongues, praise God, and you'll cast out devils. Why? Because I'm a believer, praise God, that's what I am. So we start acting on that stuff rather than waiting for it. You know how many Christians, so-called Christians are waiting and waiting for God to do something that they've been praying for for 30 years, not knowing that it's already been done? God has already given it to you if you're born in the kingdom of God. All right, go to Revelations chapter 4. All right, did you find Revelations chapter 4? Yeah. All right, put your finger, go back to Colossians chapter 1. I've got to show you this. I can't help it. This, this is my number one prayer, so I just want to show you where it's at and what to do. You can pray it if you want to. don't have to. How I many you know if it's in the Bible, it's a Holy Ghost thing? If it's a Holy Ghost prayer, it works pretty good. Probably better than my prayer most of the time, so I stick with the Holy Ghost. All right, Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 9. For this cause we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering, with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us able to be partakers of his inheritance in the saints of light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness, has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. That's the prayer. Uh, that's my favorite prayer right there. Why? You're praying for the knowledge of God's will. You're praying to be fruitful in every good work. I mean, but wouldn't that, ain't that fun? Wouldn't that be fun if you're fruitful in every good work? I mean, not just 20% or 30% or every now and then something happens that actually happens, but you're fruitful in every good work, wouldn't you? And I'll tell you what, you pray this prayer all the time. You're going to start seeing yourself be fruitful. Be careful now. Careful. You're going to start seeing yourself be fruitful in every good work. And if you start seeing it in here, you know it's going to manifest out here because it sure ain't the devil giving you that revelation. He don't want you to figure that out, praise God. And once again, that's my patience thing, you know, patience with long-suffering and joyfulness. You know, it's all different kind of patience. (laughs) I go back to revelations. Oh, yeah. I am patient. That's one kind. Right, Revelations chapter 4, look at verse 11. Mm-hmm. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are, and they were what? Created. created. So here it tells us once again, God created how many things? And notice, why did He create them here? For His pleasure, praise God. You were created for His pleasure. Praise God, hallelujah. So why why were you created? Because He needed a domain for a king to rule over. So he created heaven. How many know he wasn't a king until he had a domain because it's kingdom. So when he created heaven, he became the king. Then he created earth and he needed a king to rule over that. So that's why he created you for his own pleasure. So God is the creator. And God is not only a creator, but he's a creator by nature. So the Bible says God is love. He doesn't have love, he is love. God is creator by nature. He just naturally creates stuff all the time because that's who he is, praise God. So how many of you know that if you're born after God, Just think about it a little bit. Not only are you love, but you're creator. And you are creating a lot of things around you. You may have created the mess that you're in right now. Well, the best part about that, if you created the mess you're in, you can create your way out of the mess. Praise God. Hallelujah. So don't stay in the mess. Get yourself out of there, praise God. So here it talks about a kingdom. When a kingdom, a king rules over his domain. Kingdom domain. Without any domain you cannot have a kingdom and you cannot be a king. God created his own domain and he will never be unseated. How many know do not matter how many coups are out there nobody gonna take over his kingdom. The Bible says his kingdom lasts how long? Forever. Forever and ever. Praise God. God's throne is in heaven where he reigns in the invisible realm. But God reigns over the physical realm in a different way. How does he do that? Rather than rule directly God chose to exercise his kingly authority on earth through human beings who are created in his image and his likeness. So God basically needs mankind to rule and bring the earth back. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth just like it is in heaven so I want to grow into a place where I understand what it's like in heaven what God's nature is what it is so I can transfer that into this earth realm here and one at a time straighten people up to where they're half thinking like they should be thinking to get them delivered and to get them set free but notice God needs man but also the devil needs man the battle on the earth is over man it's over mankind the devil never wrote any bad books he never killed anybody. No, it was a person influenced by the devil who wrote the bad book and who killed somebody. Well, how many know God never came down here and wrote a good book other than the Bible? No, he didn't write my book. He influenced me to write the book and wrote the book through me and could not do it if I didn't write the book. Are you following? So man is the centerpiece of the whole thing. God's not the centerpiece. The devil isn't. We are the center of everything, praise God. That's why the earth was created. That's why man was created. And basically, we're here on the earth realm now, and we've got an opportunity to exercise dominion over this earth realm through what God has done for each and every one of us. So once again, you're important to God. So many people who are in the church don't think they're unimportant, think they got no value. You do have value. You are important, my God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Psalm 8. Right, Psalm chapter 8. Look at verse 4. Oh, no, go back to verse 3. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, and the stars, what thou hast ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visited him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Say angels. Angel. Now, if you look up this word it's not angels, it's not angelos, it is basically Elohim. How many know Elohim is never translated angels, it's translated who? God. All right, they must have been afraid to put that in there, I don't know. A little lower than God, and as crowned man with glory and honor, thou madest him to have what? Worship, church service, clapping, jumping, no, dominion over the works of thy hands thou has put All things under his feet, the sheep, the oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Now look at verse 3. When I consider the heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, what thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art what? Thou art what? You know God's thinking about me right now. He's mindful of me right now. His mind is full of me right now, and you know what? It's full of you right now too. God is mindful. I mean, you know that means mindful. He's mindful. He's thinking about you. He's thinking about different ways. He let the Holy Spirit tell you this and do this and get to that person and do this. And he's mindful of you all the time. Praise God. Hallelujah. Notice, he made him to have dominion. Say dominion. Dominion. Notice your purpose is not singing, although it's all right to sing. It's worship, but it worships fine. But dominion is your main purpose, what you're here for. And I'll tell you what, when you understand your dominion and your purpose, you start doing it, you'll really worship and sing instead of just go through the motions. When God needed somebody to dominate a piece of real estate called earth, we were created to be in charge on the earth realm. Look at the other beings. They said, "What is the deal with this man character, man? I don't understand it." Probably the angels. Look at them. He's thinking about them all the time. He gave them dominion, he gave them all that, "What the heck?" And you can imagine what the devil was saying. Oh my gosh, no. What was going on? So basically God's purpose never changes, never changed from Genesis chapter 1. God placed on the inside of man a dominion spirit that cries out for release. It's in there. Everybody wants to release it out of the inside of them. How many know it's misused? You've got workers who have, basically, in a company, and the company misuses their authority over the workers. Why? That dominion spirit's in there. If it's not used right, it will not be used right. How many know husbands and wives? Well, I'll control you, buddy. I'll tell you. We ain't telling me nothing, baby. What's, what is that? That's this dominion spirit, not used godly, but used because we're all there. That's why it's so hard for us when we finally get in the kingdom of God to separate our dominion to him. Because we haven't done it to anybody else yet. Why should I do it to him? You know, so you know what to do in the word, but you don't do what's in the word because you know, but you really don't want to do it because you want to keep dominion in control of your own life, see? That little kid is born with it. How I many you know you take away the candy bar after they found it in the cupboard? They have an absolute meltdown why is that? They, they they think they own you, they think they got dominion, what do you so they cry uh, uh, they think that's gonna you know do something to you, they stomp their feet or they hold their breath or whatever they do praise God and that's what they do, why? that dominion spirit's already in there at the age of one, two, three, it's already on the inside and it's there basically so humans were created with that but basically we've got to learn to use it in the right way hallelujah remember when I don't know how many years ago it was now but we went in to Iraq and, and they took over the country and that statue of Saddam Hussein was pulled down and it fell down. Well people were out in the streets dancing and jumping up and down. Why? Because they've been under the dominion of someone they didn't want to be under the dominion of for years and they were rejoicing because dominion was now sort of restored back to them. They were oppressed and they hated it. Why do you hate oppression? Because you're created to have dominion when you're oppressed your dominion is repressed. So you get mad, you get upset, you get angry, you get... somebody tells you not to do something. Correction. I don't need corrected. Even if I'm wrong, I don't need corrected. Well, yes, you do. You need corrected. And everybody's got a problem. But this is, God, this is God-given authority. It just ain't God-used authority. So we were created to dominate all things except for people. So that when we come under dominion of things in our life, it upsets us. When I was under the dominion of alcohol, I wasn't happy. I was half depressed. I was mad. I didn't know what was wrong. I was being controlled by something that wasn't even a person. It was a stupid alcohol you see? And people are under drug addiction, what are they? They're being dominated. They hate that. Why? Just because they're drugs? No, because on the inside of them they know they should be ruling over what's ruling them. And that gets to you. That makes you mad. That upsets you. That gets you gone. Cocoa leaves, tobacco leaves, alcohol, drugs. We bow to passions. We bow to our desires. People right now bowing to sex. Sex is ruling a lot of people in every single area of their life. It doesn't make you happy, praise God. Maybe for 30 seconds. See? But after that, I mean, there's a consequence to our decisions. There's a consequence to what we do, praise God. Fear tries to control us, keeps us down, keeps us from doing things. We don't want to be controlled by that stuff. Many in the church are in bondage to money. Can we go there okay with everybody? Yeah yeah they overspend and they overspend more and they overspend more than they get mad at God because he won't pay for the stuff that they don't need to begin with you go to their closet and they got every new item that ever came across the, the tv in the last 42 years the box ain't even open and everything's in the closet but they had to have it because at the time it looked pretty good and now they're in credit card debt and can't get out of credit card debt so they put tv commercials on saying I was $50,000 in debt but I went to so and so and now I'm debt free praise God <laughs> Seen those commercials? Taxes. I'm $50,000 back in taxes. Every time I do that, I tell a Becky, pay your taxes yeah. like the rest of us. You wouldn't be 50000 if you wouldn't have paid last year's and the years before. You wouldn't be at 50000 right now. I don't feel sorry for you. But what is that? That's not being able to control your finances, not being able to control your debt. Praise God. Keep on spending, even though young people in these days, if you can't pay the credit card, don't charge it. Right. Amen. That's right. I use my credit cards for gain. I get 2 or 3% back, I'll charge it. I'll pay it, and I'll take my 3% at the end of the month. Praise God. Hallelujah. They're going to pay me. I'm not going to pay them. Praise God. So we don't do that, glory to God. If you've got a mortgage on a house, pay that thing off. Praise God. God wants to pay it off. He won't give them the interest on the thing, these stupid corporations and stuff that aren't even probably godly. Go to God. Find out how to get rid of that thing. Praise God. Hallelujah. So there's a lot of things we've got to learn. You know, The first thing they did, if you read the book of Acts, was they came and they laid down all their property and stuff at the feet of the... Disciples, what did they say? Money ain't going gonna, ain't gonna to control us anymore. Praise God. We're going to control money now. Praise God. So that's what they did. And that's the way it is in this day and age. Don't let anything control you. Nothing has a, a, a rulership over you unless you give it the rulership. You need to rule things, not pursue things. Rule over the things you've got. Control your spending. Control your finances. Listen to God. You want to invest in somewhere? Just start asking God. And he'll run into somebody and somebody will say, hey, guess what? We're giving 10% on your money right now. You say, I'll take it. Praise God, that'll be good. But we've got to be led by the Spirit of God and we've got to do it. We can't come into bondage to anything in our life. Our feelings, our emotions, unforgiveness, offense, any of those things don't belong in our life. And it feels bad when we do it because we've got the opportunity to rule over each and every one of them. You can forgive people if you will. You never got to get offended again unless you want to. You don't have to be in fear. God has not given you a spirit of but power, love, and of a sound mind. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, that can't be 830. I guess it is. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, Father. Thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for opening up our hearts and our minds to, to your word again tonight and opening up to be kingdom thinkers. Praise God. And we thank you. We're not our kingdom thinkers. We're kingdom actors and kingdom livers. Praise God. We thank you for what you're doing in our life and give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 To hear more dynamic words, go to mytcbc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube, so remember to Seek First the King. Shall be